that uh, come to verse number 7. I ask you as we're here before we read our verses tonight, be praying for the day on Sunday as God leads and allows Sunday morning in the morning service. Uh, the message is going to be this, an expected end, an expected end. God has an expected end for every one of us that are in his uh, family tonight. He has something that he's planned. That's the passage of Scripture in Jeremiah that said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of good and not of evil. He says to give you an expected end. But you ought to study, we will on Sunday, what their circumstances were at that very moment of captivity. But tonight we're looking at this. Out of many, one. Now, let's read beginning of verse number 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Uh, he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now these are spiritual gifts. But understand, these are not all of the spiritual gifts. These are simply four spiritual gifts that have to do with ministry. Now look at verse number 12, and the very first word of the verse is four. Okay, why? What is the reason behind God giving some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers? For, and he states out the reason, the perfecting of the saints. For, the work of the ministry. For, the edifying of the body of Christ. So we're given reason till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And this is speaking somewhat of duration. Now in verse number uh, 14 is the purpose. Notice the first word in this verse, that. What is the purpose of all this? That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. I know that most of you here have probably heard the statement that used to be our national motto until, uh, until 1956, and that was E Pluribus Unum. And then it was changed to In God We Trust. Now, we know that that original meant this. It meant what we're talking about tonight, out of many, one. Had a lot to do with the immigration into our country and our country being a melting pot. And we all come together from all these different places different backgrounds, different blood, and we come together to make one. Now, we are expected to be individuals for the glory of God. I want us to look at this tonight. Verse number 7 uh, begins with the word but, and it points out that we may be one, but we are still many. In spite of that, or on the other hand, that's what but is saying here, but in spite of the fact, or on the other hand, we're united in Jesus, but we're still different people. 
Now, every one of us in here tonight, uh, some have on the same color here and there, but we are not all dressed the same tonight. Our hair is not all parted the same direction tonight. Some are fortunate to have a part. Some are not. So we're looking at we're different from one another. Our differences, though, are what make unity within the body of Christ. I'll give you some examples as we go along with this this evening. God wants us to use our unique abilities. There are people in this room tonight who in the last seven days, I have heard someone else in our church say this, I thank the Lord for and list the person's name. And I have said this in response, why do you thank the Lord for that particular person? That person has been a blessing to me and they describe how. And there's a uniqueness about that person. In many, in a couple of the cases that I've heard, it had to do with the way in which people teach. I want you to notice first of all tonight, the root of our diversity the root of our differences. Our unity as believer finds its roots in the work of God in our lives. Now, when we look at this, the Lord's work in us magnifies our difference. There are some people who can sing. There are some people who think they can sing. I am not, I am not. I want you to know this. I compliment him highly for this. I would love to have a voice like Philip has. He's the kind of person that he gets up and he goes. <laughs> and it just comes out. How enjoyable that is. Now I want to tell you something. We've got some people in here who think that they have his voice. And I don't want to burst your bubble. But we don't. But we don't all have to. We're looking at diversities tonight with this. Notice A, and we find it in verse number 7. The grace of God. The root of our diversity is first found in the grace of God. Diversity finds its roots in that grace. Grace refers to undeserved favor or gift. Now when we think of grace, we think first of all of grace for salvation. For by grace are ye saved through faith. That's just the beginning step of grace, grace for salvation. God wants so much more for us and from us than just salvation. There's grace that goes much further. Grace is probably one of the things in Christianity that is sung about more than anything else. But God has so much more grace other than just saving grace. I think when we look at this, there's also, we think of grace beyond the context of salvation. By grace through faith that we save, but also by grace through faith we serve. We're able to do the things that God has called us to do. Look at verse 7. Unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Jesus Christ has given us some degree of grace. We'll follow this just a little bit tonight. I just want to introduce it now. We may come back later. I want your mind to be thinking in the New Testament of the story of the master who was going away and he gave to his uh, stewards. He gave each of them 
a different number of talents. Now, folks today would get, uh, get a little aggravated at that. Why did he get ten and I get five? Why did he get one? God grace, he gifts us differently. And God knows how we will handle those things. So as we're looking at this tonight, the primary truth is that we are individual people and we have been uniquely gifted to serve the Lord. He saved us and then he gifted us to serve him. Now, in doing that, whatever we are and whoever we are, we are by the grace of God. So let's none of us get the big head. Let's none of us be filled with pride over what we are because outside of God tonight, we're nothing. He says to us, without me, ye can do nothing. But I think it's very important tonight that every one of us, and this will be brought into play some on Sunday in our messages and lessons as well. I think it's very important for us to look at the spiritual gifts that God does give to us. And I'll bring some of those up in a few moments. Look at B, and it's found in verse 7 through 10. And this, uh, the grace of God, but now look at the gifts of God. Paul calls the gifts uh, that we are often, he says, the gift of Christ. He describes the Lord Jesus as a mighty conqueror who shares the spoils. Uh, that's his picture that is given here. Uh, he quotes verses from Psalm 68, and they speak of the Lord as one who ascended to heaven in victory and uh, having defeated all of his foes. And he, as the victor who claims the spoils of war, then shares those with us, he gifts us. Part of the Lord's victory, that over death, over sin, and over Satan, is a gift of this new life. Now, the new life is this. Every one of us ought to be changing every day. The Bible says that we are becoming new creatures. We became a new creature at salvation, but daily we are growing with that, and daily we are changing with that. John chapter 10 and verse 10 refers uh, to the abundant life. I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now I want you to turn to Philippians just a couple pages away. Philippians chapter 3, if you would please. Philippians at chapter number 3, and I want us to look at what Paul refers to in this place having to do with the gifts of God. Philippians chapter number 3, come to verse number 9. And be found in him, not having my own, that's our doing, not having my own righteousness. Someone here Sunday evening mentioned, I believe, in prayer uh, during our time around the Lord's table, uh, mentioned that the Bible tells us that all of our righteousness, the best we can do, is as filthy rags. Not having our own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. Paul here is talking about that abundant life, that righteous life that can be ours, which it's not our righteousness, it's the righteousness of Christ. And the Holy Spirit enables us to serve the Lord through these gifts. Look at C, and we find it in verse number 11. The giftedness of God. The gifts Paul mentions in verse number 11, we've already said, are just a small list of spiritual gifts. They're ministry. 
Uh, there are others found. And if I have not left these references uh, on your lesson sheet tonight, write these references in. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about spiritual gifts. Romans chapter 12 talks about spiritual gifts. And 1 Peter chapter number 4 talks about spiritual gifts at the same time that we're focused on Ephesians and chapter number 4. Now let's look at those four spiritual gifts or ministry gifts that uh, Paul mentions here. First of all, he says this, he has given some apostles. Apostles were here for the birth of the first century church. They were ambassadors. An ambassador is one who is sent with credentials. An apostle is one of those who has seen God, seen Christ, has been with the ministry of Christ. He's there to represent another. An apostle was a pioneer. That all happened with the founding of the church. And he, the apostle, or Christ rather, authenticated the ministry that the apostles had. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, I read for you. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. In other words, God made it very evident who the apostles were. He made it evident through the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now when the church was established, now listen carefully because there's churches that claim this today. When the church was established, there was no longer a need for the apostles. Listen, the days of the apostles are past. So I am not the apostle Don Sumter. Biblically, I can't be. That office, that gift is a thing of the past. Look at the second, prophets. Prophets were foretellers. They received a divine revelation from God, and they were told to share what they heard from God with the world. Now, we can go into the Old Testament, and we know that the prophets, by vision and by dream and by divers' methods in which God spoke to them, God gave them a message. And the message was then, in turn, supposed to be delivered to the one that God said. In the New Testament, there were prophets. In the New Testament, a little different. In the New Testament, we now have the presence of the Holy Spirit. And God is able to speak to the New Testament prophets and deliver to the New Testament prophets what He once said to the people whom He addresses them. But then God did something else. God gave us this. And when he gave us this, the need for prophets no longer exists. I am not Apostle Don Sumter, and I am not Prophet Don Sumter. I was making a hospital visit not too long ago. It's an amazing thing in the clergy program at the hospitals. I don't like that term. I was making a visit, and the nurse stuck her head out the door, and she said, and who are you? And I said, I'm so-and-so's pastor. And she said, oh, you're clergy. I said, no, I'm their pastor. Because clergy becomes all-inclusive. And I met a fellow in the, in the uh, elevator leaving the hospital, and he had his, all of his little bottles and wine and all the little things that he had administered to whoever 
he was there, and uh, I had a book that I had taken, and I picked another book up that the person had read. And he read the title of the book, and he said, Oh, are you of the clergy? I said, No, I'm not of the clergy. I'm pastor at Landmark Baptist Church. And he said, I am prophet, and he told me what church he was with. Listen, apostles are no more. Prophets are no more. If God has a message for us tonight, which he does, he gave it through his word. There's no private interpretation or anything else of it. He gave it to us. It's written for us. And you know what that means when you have... I like this about written things. When it's written, you can't change it. Something happened, and I'll write someone a note or a letter. My wife said, well, why didn't you just talk to him about it? I said, because I didn't want my words twisted. It will forever stand while it's in writing of exactly what I said. So there are apostles, prophets, those two are past. Now look at the third, evangelists. That's a preacher of the gospel. Those who specifically are gifted at sharing the gospel with those who have never heard or those who have never responded. Now that is still very much the need today. This is a gift that is still there. Now we think of an evangelist as one that blows into town, he's here for a week, and he blows out of town. And that's somewhat, the evangelist is different from the pastor. As best I can understand in my studies and in my train of thought over here, evangelists, as close as I see them today, yes, are people who come in and preach meetings, but for the church's sake, our missionaries are evangelists. So the evangelist gift is still active and alive. Then it says preachers and teachers. Now the pastor is the shepherd. That means he tends to the needs of the flock. He cares for the people of God and, uh, and for the driving force of, their, uh, of his life is taking care of the people of God. Teachers are those who speak of those things faithfully and consistently having to do with the Word of God. Now these are four ministry. Now real quick, real quick, because I can already tell you we're not going to finish tonight. You're used to it, right? Real quick, let me read to you. Say, well, preacher, I, I don't know. And, and let me, uh, every member of the church ought to know what their spiritual gifts are. Now, I don't give you spiritual gift tests. But the Bible says this that God did two things for us He gave us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does two things the Holy Spirit gifts us. And the Holy Spirit produces fruit in us. The gifts of the Spirit are different than the fruit of the Spirit. We know what those fruits are. Sometimes we're not uh, students like we ought to be, and we don't find, we don't search for, we're not attentive to the gifts that God has given us. Let, let me just run through a list of several things that I believe are some of the things that God gifts people in different ways. Why? Because we're different. Diversity and difference is not a bad thing. To some, the gift of administration. It's a strength or ability to organize multiple tasks. Craftsmanship is another gift. And the Holy Spirit gifts us with that, a divine strength or ability to plan, build, or work with your hands. 
discernment, identifying falsehood, to distinguish between right and wrong, a gift of evangelism, to help non-Christians take the necessary steps to becoming born again, exhortation, the ability to strengthen, to give comfort, or urge others to action, faith, and I'll just let you think about what some of these others are. There's faith. There is the spiritual gift of giving. God has given some people, uh, the Holy Spirit has gifted them in a way of giving, of helps, supportive roles in accomplishing the task for the church or Christianity, hospitality, the ability to be warm and cre uh, create a warm atmosphere. Those who gather around our door on Sunday as people come in, uh, we call them greeters, but they need to have the spiritual gift of hospitality. Can you imagine they stand there at the door and you come in, ah, come on in and have a seat. No, it needs to be warm. It needs to be open. It needs to be greedy. It needs to be welcome. Now, not, I'm going to tell you this. Not every member of the church ought to be standing at that door. Come to me and say, Pastor, should I be standing at that door? And in private, I may tell you. But don't be hurt if it's not what you want to hear. We better move on. Intercession. I'm learning that some of our people in our church who have had a craftsman gift of working with the hands have moved from craftsman to intercession. They can't do physically what they used to do. Leadership, mercy, pastor, shepherd, service, teaching, words of wisdom, all of those things. The whole point here is this. Your gift might have been in this list. It might not have been mentioned here in Ephesians chapter 4. But God has gifted you. Now I challenge you to this tonight. Find your gift. Now that's the root of diversity. Now let's get to the reason of diversity. In fact, let me, let me do this tonight if I can, please. I haven't done this in a long time. I want to skip through number two. Okay? I'm going to skip through number two, and you study that at home. And I want to come to number three. All right? Number one was the rooted diversity. Number two was the reason for diversity. God has a purpose in everything that he does. But I want us to spend what's left of our time tonight in verse 15 and 16 with the results of diversity. The results of diversity. We find with this letter A, verse 16, our diversity makes the body possible. It takes every one of us. Do you realize tonight that your body, if I'm understanding what different sources that I have read, your body has well over 10,000 parts. It's an amazing thing to think tonight that we have 206 bones but there are 360 smaller bones that are attached to those. Now, I'm not going through science tonight because some of you know a lot more about science than I do in the human body than I do, but it amazes me this, how intricately God made us. And he made us to be fitly joined together in a physical way. But then when it comes to the church, he says, we're all diverse, we're all different. Some can sing, some can teach, some can craftsmanship and work, some can this, 
but you have to bring us all together. The, our diversity makes the, body, makes, uh, makes the body possible. Notice the two words there. Fitly joined together. And then compacted. That means solidly put together from many to one. Now look at me, if you would, please, in verse number 15. Our diversity makes the body powerful. It makes it possible, then it makes it powerful. The body is fed, it's nurtured, and helped to grow in maturity. Now, I've shared different pieces of this with you before. I've asked you questions before. Have you ever dislocated? We had a men's flag football game out in the back a number of years ago. And uh, you say, why don't we have flag football now? Because we don't have men like we had then. You say, are you being derogatory toward men? I'm saying, no, these men are stupid. Their flag football was tackle football. No pads. It was down in this area back here on the field, and a fella got hit. Charlie Four. And his shoulder came out of joint. You say, well, that, he's a man. He won't cry. He cried like a baby. And it was the most disfigured-looking thing. Greg Wells played on our basketball team and went to catch the ball one time, and somebody threw it, and it hit him right on the end of his finger. I cannot bend my finger to make it look like he, his was. It was so dislocated, and for the first few seconds, you don't feel it. Greg ran in front of all the cheerleaders who were, you know, all doing the two, four, six, eight, who do we appreciate, or whatever they do, and he ran in front of them holding this disfigured finger up. Look, look, look! And we had cheerleaders, you know, they're going all over the floor. A little later, it was different. Now, you know me. You know my story. Amputation of a big toe. Do you know, listen, do you know what the doctor, out of everything that was said that night, do you know what one thing I remember that he said? I know I don't look athletic now. I was athletic then. My big toe is gone. You know what he told me? We can take your thumb off and put it on your foot. I was under the influence of some pain medicine. But let me tell you, that thought never crossed my mind. Now, my grandkids are sort of fascinated with it. I was sitting there the other night, and I looked down at my two feet. And this was when Remy, last Wednesday, when Remy's memory verse for, for Awana's was, how beautiful are the feet of them to preach the gospel. I was sitting there looking down at my feet, and I tried to picture... I held my foot out like this, and I went. I looked at, this thumb is nowhere near as big as that toe. Now, if they'd have taken that thumb off and put it on my foot, can you imagine me trying to shake hands with somebody? I'd go to grab their hand, and I'd be up at their elbow because there's nothing to stop it there. Why would you even think of that? Listen, the thumb is intended to be the thumb. Now, I do know that when something is out of sorts, other portions of the body fill in. But let me tell you this. It's never the same. The whole structure of what we're talking about tonight in Ephesians, and we will for the next three Sunday evenings, having to do with unity is this. God gave us a physical body 
that was put together and compacted and fitly joined to operate in a proper way. And when something gets dislocated, when something doesn't do its job, there's a breakdown. And within the church, when God developed the church, He developed it with people of diversity. Now listen, what if everybody, and Gordon's going to say amen, what if everybody in the whole church joined the choir Sunday morning? Well, the choir would have to be out here for one. But the choir, everybody's in the choir. The whole church is in the choir. Who are they going to sing to? Empty pews. God didn't gift everybody for that. Now, he gifted more than are up there. And if he gifted you, a shame on you for not using the gift. Teachers, we need a permanent helper in uh, K-5 Junior Church the second week. We have a lady that's helped in there for years, and her health right now is not allowing her her movement. The basic thing is is, uh, she can't keep up with kids anymore. (laughs) Tell you the truth about it. But we, there are places, and some people are gifted to teach, but not everybody is gifted to teach. I had a teacher in college that I thought was tremendous because here's what he did. He came in on a Thursday and said, you have a test tomorrow. Here's 20 questions. Ten of the questions are going to be on your test. I aced the class. That's been more years than I'm going to tell you ago. Can I tell you this? You know what I remember? What stands out to me about his class through all of my college education? Nothing. I cannot tonight stand here honestly and say, I learned this in his class. But I had two other professors who I did not care for at all. I've told you one of them. One of them's here tonight and I'm not going to say anything. One of them was Bud Calvert, and he said, go to the bookstore at break, buy such and such book, read the book, and I want a two-page summary of the book tomorrow morning at 7.30 when you come to class. You talk about belly aching. When we went to the bookstore, all of us were Christian cussing. What in the world? Who does it? We got jobs. I got a be in his class. But tonight, I can't tell you how much I retained out of his class. Different people are gifted for singing. Different people are gifted for teaching. The whole thought is this. God gifted us all different for ministry's sake. Because once he gifted it, he brought us all here. Most everyone here tonight is a member of our church. God put us all together in a family. Wouldn't it be horrible if we were all the same? But he didn't have us all the same. He created us with diversity for a reason and a purpose. Now I want you to study number two this week before Sunday night. And this Sunday night we're going to come back in chapter four and we're going to start looking at how to maintain. You know, I like getting to the portions of how to in the scripture not just do this you know with people there's people who will tell you you know do it this way but i like to know how to 
And Paul in Ephesians 4 is going to give us the how to maintain unity in the body of Christ. Let's pray together. We'll stand and sing a verse, hymn verse tonight. Praying together. Father, thank you for.